Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Thank you so much. So, if we've not met before, my name is Phil. I think I know most people here uh, this morning. And uh, if you're visiting us today, you're really welcome. And, uh, you know, it's great to be together. It's great to worship God together. It's great to hear what God is doing, isn't it? And, you know, I feel that as we've been listening this morning, we've been praising God, we've been using words like Lord and like King, as we've been worshipping, we've been hearing about what it is to follow God. And I kind of feel that half of what I want to say this morning has already been said. And, well, that's great, because I think it means that God is speaking to us. And... um, I just want to pray this morning, just before I start to speak, that, that the Holy Spirit will, will help us as we look at his word today. So, our Father, thank you that we're here, and we believe we're here in your presence. We can be here as men and women and boys and girls with our heads held high because of all that you have done for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you, you love to come and reveal Jesus to us. You love to come and reveal God's written word to us. And so I want to ask that in these moments now, you do just that. Make the word alive to us in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yes, as Ben just said already, we're in a teaching series this year and we're calling it Walk This Way. Following Jesus and living in his kingdom. And you might remember back, Uh, two weeks, perhaps give me a little wave if you can remember back as far as two weeks. We spoke about uh, his name and renown. Anyone remember this? The potential we we have to reflect the goodness of God, to reflect the love of God to the world around us. How to reflect the name and renown or the name and fame, as we might say it today, of Jesus to those around us. And then if you can remember back as as far ago as uh, last Sunday, Stephen was sharing And uh, it was called uh, Seek and Add. And it was about being people who seek God's kingdom first and then look for all that God is adding to us. And this week we have a a title and we're calling it Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And uh, well, why why do I want to call this morning's um, sermon Yes, Lord? Well, what has inspired me is this verse that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in Isaiah. Isaiah 26, verse 8, and it says this, Yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. Our desire is for your name and renown. It's a corporate response. Do you remember this? These are, this is a prophetic picture that God has given to his people of what it is for his people to respond to his salvation. This is what God loves to see in our response to him. Yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. Our desire is for your name and renown. It's a saying, yes, we will follow you and we'll do what you say is right. Put it out in other words, we're going to walk your way. We desire your name and renown, your name and your fame. And this response that we make to God's great gift of salvation starts with a yes, Lord. And that's what this morning is all about. So I want to turn this in our Bibles. If you can just grab your Bible and turn to John chapter 2. 
I'm going to read a passage of scripture which I think will be um, fairly familiar to us all. Can we stick the picture up, Phoebe? That'd be okay. Because this is a, uh, it's the account that we find of Jesus going to a wedding at a place called Cana. This is a great uh, painting that's on the wall. It's a famous painting, um, painted by a man called Paolo Veronese in 1560, or 1560s, quite a long time after the wedding in Cana. And uh, he was commissioned to paint this painting to stick on a, um, a, a dining room wall, essentially, in a monastery. And, and that's why, oh, and the monastery is in Venice. And that's why all the people and all the architecture looked like they'd been dropped in right out of mid-1560s Italy. You know, so, uh, so this is nothing like the wedding of Cana. <laughs> However, it is called the wedding at Cana, but in Italian. It's, great, it's a great painting. Uh, the original painting is 10 metres long and 7 metres high. The people are life-size. And if you want to know where the painting is, it's in the Louvre. And it's on the opposite wall to the Mona Lisa, so it's the painting no one sees. <laughs> so, uh, so, but interesting, isn't it? Great, it's a great painting. I really like it. Not got soup on it. Not got soup on it. No, it's, it's the one in the Louvre without soup on it this week. That is true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this account that we're going to read in John chapter 2 is, is er, very early in the recorded ministry of Jesus. Jesus would be about 30 years of age. And, you know, we know very little about the early life of Jesus. But just to bring us up to speed where we are, in this passage, uh, Jesus has called his first followers, his first disciples. And soon after that, he's invited with his disciples to this wedding. So starting to read John chapter 2. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said to, said to them, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers and his disciples. So you don't need me this morning to retell this story. It's a familiar story. And actually, it tells you exactly what happens. There's this amazing miracle 
this water is turned into wine. Jesus was presented with a need and he met the need. It's the first miracle of Jesus. And yet, you know, in this account, there's so much we don't know. We've been given the bare facts here. I mean, weddings in those days would go on for a number of days. We don't really know where about in this wedding celebration, this shortage of wine happened. We don't know whose wedding it was. We don't know if it's a family member or a friend. In fact, actually, Mary is there as kind of a prominent guest and Jesus happens to be there. That's the kind of way it's written. Jesus certainly isn't the chief guest at the wedding. It's Mary's the chief, well, she's an important guest and Jesus and his disciples, they're also there. And uh, there are so many questions we ask, don't we? Who, whose wedding was it? If you like your wine, white or red? Mm, I wonder. I think it would have been red, actually, but, you know, a bit of a poser. But, um, but nonetheless, there was, what we do know about this account is there was a shortage, and Jesus, he met the need. And Jesus didn't just meet the need by supplying just enough wine to cover up the shortage. He supplied enough wine to create an abundance, an absolute abundance, an ample supply. You know, it says in, in the New Living Translation that each, that each uh, of these stone pitchers was, was 20 to 30 gallons. But let's just assume they're 25 gallons because we can do some maths. That's 682 litres. Okay, so lots, a lot of literage. And if you were to convert that into our size bottle of wine, that is uh, 908 bottles of wine. Okay, so if you go down into Sainsbury's later this week and look at the wine shelf, about that much. Okay, an amazing quantity of wine. But listen, today I want us not to concentrate so much upon the miracle but I want us to con concentrate on Mary's role in all of this. Mary's role. You see, in the moment, it was Mary that was confident that Jesus could change the situation. And actually, a bit of a bizarre request, isn't it? They've run out of wine, Jesus. I mean, what did she expect him to do? Did, I mean, did, did she expect a miracle? Did she expect him to pop out with his disciples and, you know, go and buy some? I, I don't know. A bizarre request, but Mary felt that she should be asking Jesus of it. I believe the reason that Mary did that is, is because of this. She was up close and personal with Jesus. Whilst we know very little of Jesus' life up to this point, Mary had seen it all. She had seen him as a young boy, growing into a man. She had seen him working with his father, Joseph. Yeah, Joseph was a, was a carpenter. He was probably actually more accurately a, a, a builder who did some stuff with wood as well. Um, the, the, the Galilee area is not, is not famed for its... Um, sprawling timberage. Because I mean, there's not a lot of wood there. He would, he would have been a, a, a builder, a maker of things, and the expectation is that Jesus would have followed him into that line of family work. She would have seen him when he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. As a small boy, 
and as a teenager and as a young man making his way in life. That's quite a thing, isn't it? That would make an impression on you as a mother. She would have seen him retreat to be alone with his heavenly father. She would have witnessed his attitude towards his brothers and sisters. And if you're a parent in the room, you know exactly what we're talking about here. He was tempted in every way and yet without sin. She would have witnessed his attitude towards family members, towards his community. She would have spent hours talking to him. And you know, there's speculation that by this time in Jesus' life that Joseph had died and he would have been a comfort to Mary in her grief. She'd seen a lot of Jesus up close and personal. And that's why I believe Mary's instruction to the servants is a mark of her faith when she said to them, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. What was Jesus going to tell them? It didn't matter. Mary knew that Jesus could be trusted. And, you know, I've been thinking about this for a number of weeks and I think, I find this a very challenging thought. Am I up close and personal enough with Jesus that I will do whatever he tells me? You know, Jesus wants us to bring him our yes, Lord. He wants us to do whatever he tells us to do. And you know, we don't don't obey Christ as a means of obtaining grace. We don't earn our salvation at all. But we obey Christ as a means of responding to his grace. And yeah, I find that a challenge. I'm sure it's a challenge for many of us as well. It's a challenge for us individually. I think it's a challenge for us corporately at the moment as well. (coughs) Jesus is building his church here in Market Harbour. And as we reach out to our communities, we look for his provision in terms of a suitable base to work out of in the longer term. And as we support one another in this season, we've just heard this morning, it's the season where we are sowing out. We are blessing the people of Leamington Spa with a gift. And, and in some respects, it's a gift we, we can't afford to give, but we're going to give it anyway. Because we believe that God will supply all that we need. Yeah, I want to make sure that in this season, that if Jesus is going to speak to me and to speak to us, I want to make sure that I'm listening. Sometimes I can find myself saying, God, I want to know what you're saying. And then I realise I'm not really listening. Our, our, Our prayer life a conversation between me and God is is quite one way. And um, I want to make sure there's space in my life to hear what he has to say to me in order that I can do whatever he tells me. 
God is looking for our yes, Lord. Yeah, Lord is not a word that we use very often, is it, in our kind of day-to-day culture. But if you do use the word Lord, if you do call someone Lord, then it suggests an authority. It suggests a rank. It suggests an importance. You don't call anybody Lord, just like you don't call anybody King. It is a hierarchy. There is a subservience to someone who you're calling Lord. And if you're calling him Lord, there's no other word that can come before Lord other than yes. It's not no Lord. It's not maybe Lord. It's not "Mm, perhaps Lord. It's not later Lord. Because if he's Lord, it's got to be a yes. So what does he want me to do? Well, it doesn't matter. Yes, Lord. And where is he leading me? Actually, it doesn't matter. Yes, Lord. Who's going to come with me? Don't know yet. Yes, Lord. Oh, what's it going to cost me? You'll find out. Yes, Lord. Oh, but what about my plan? All the things I'm going to go and do here. Oh, his plan is far better than our plan. <laughs> yes, Lord. There might even be one day when we are saying, thank you, Lord, because your plan was so much better <laughs> than what I thought was my great plan. Our yes, Lord, is evidence of his lordship over our lives and of our trust in him. And whatever the question, the answer is yes, Lord. I know you, I trust you, I have seen enough of you. Just as Mary was saying, Jesus, I have spent time with you, I know you, I've seen you, I trust you. And the calling may be hard. It may cost us something. But we'll be fulfilling the plan and purpose that God has for us and so my question is this are we willing to be yes lord people is it it's possible to have a relationship with jesus where we can agree with the things he said because he said some great things didn't he yeah blessed are the peacemakers wow sounds great seek the kingdom of god above all else and live righteously sounds like a great plan i agree with that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life, sounds great. I agree. Now there's no condemnation for those who believe in Christ Jesus. Whoa, I like the sound of that one too. I agree. But are we people who simply agree with the things that Jesus said? Or are we people who hear what Jesus has said and are prepared to follow him? Are we people who agree or are we people who are prepared to follow? When Jesus called his first disciples, he simply invited invited them to follow him. That was his invitation. And you know, that remains his invitation today. 
It's an invitation not to just agree with some of the things he said, but it's an invitation to respond, yes, Lord, to become followers, to become disciples, to put it in modern language, to become apprentices of Jesus. Rather frighteningly, Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. There's a difference between merely hearing and being hearers and doers. Ben, do you want to come and play for us? Jesus went on to say, when Matthew, Matthew 7 told this story about, about two men who build, built houses. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like... Uh, and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock and though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand and when the rain and floods come and the winds beat against the house it will collapse with a mighty crash and when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. So the question today is, what's the Lord asking us to which we might need to reply? Yes, Lord. What's he asking us? You know, if we're not sure what he is asking of us today, we should ask him. If he is our Lord, we want to know what his plan is for us. If we don't know what he's asking of us today, we should, we should take the time to ask him. You know, we might instinctively know what it is he's asking of us today that we want to bring our yes, Lord, to. But we might realise we've not really been listening. And we've got an opportunity this morning to get our antennae up again. Say, Lord, what are, you, what are you saying to us about you, what, what is you want me to do for your honour and glory and renown, your name and your fame? It might be today that we think, you know, I think, I think God is speaking to me. I think I know what God's heart is for me and for my family but perhaps it will be helpful to talk that out you know, with your husband or wife or with a life group leader or with a friend. But just to explore together what it is that God is saying that requires us to bring our yes Lord to him. It might be this morning that you don't know Jesus as your saviour. might be this morning that you have never brought your yes, Lord, to his gift of eternal life. Yes. It might be this morning that as I'm talking, you're thinking, Jesus, Lord, I'm not sure. Today's the day to do something about that. Because the plan that the Lord Jesus has for you, for your life, for the life of your family, for your role in his coming kingdom, 
is a life of excitement and adventure. We might today be thinking that I'm quite good at giving the vibes of living a godly life. It's easy to learn to do the right things and say the right things, isn't it? But actually, maybe in our lives today, there are areas of our life we know that the Lordship of Jesus doesn't touch. If Jesus is our Lord, then he's to be the Lord of all. Not the Lord of this compartment of my life. Well, well, the rest of my life is doing its own thing. Are we feeling the call of God in areas of serving him and his church? We've got the need together to step up into a new, series, uh, a new, a new season of, of ministry and service. Maybe today you're here thinking, is this where I need to put down my roots for myself and my family? Is God joining you to this body of believers in Market Harbour? Maybe that's something that you need to be sure of in your heart and be able to say, yes, Lord. Maybe God is speaking to us about serving him elsewhere. I'm serious when I say this. Benj and Kim are going to go to Leamington Spa later in the year to establish a new church. They need people with them. And they found some people who are going to be with them. But it might even be that God is stirring those of us, some of us in this room. Ah. He's pulling us. You know, we kind of feel the tug, just as Benj was describing that he and Kim felt. You know, God keeps putting this on my heart and I can't get rid of it, and I feel that I should be going, and yet I think I should be staying, and yet he keeps pulling me to be going. <laughs> Maybe the thing to do is to bring a yes, Lord, I'm going. And whether it's the Leamington Spa or any of the other places in the future where God is going to plant out uh, beacons of his kingdom light around Market Harbour, Maybe we need to bring our yes, Lord, to being able to establish a, a real witness to Jesus in our street, in our community. It takes a long time to build genuine relationship with people. But it never happens by fluke. It takes some action. It takes an inviting spirit. Maybe this is the season. Yes, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build some community with my neighbours. I'm going to build some community with my work colleagues, whoever it is. And, and let them see the reflected glory of God in our lives as we are in our little villages and streets all across this community of Market Harbour. Whatever he's telling us to do, the answer is, yes, Lord. Some of, some of you are with me, that's great. Whatever he's telling us to do, the answer is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I know you, I trust you. I have seen enough of you. 
I can trust you in my parenting. I can trust you in my career. I can trust you in my finances. I can trust you in my future plans because I've seen enough of you. I trust you. I bring you my yes, Lord. Why don't we just stand to our feet? I just want to read some words of Jesus and then I'm going to pray and we're going to finish just in order that we can respond to the things we've been thinking about this morning. Maybe close your eyes while I just read these words of Jesus who said to people who were following him, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Lord Jesus, thank you that you spoke those words to people who were following you back 2,000 years ago yet you're speaking those words to us today. We thank you that as we bring you our yes, Lord, you are walking with us in, in yoke, in harness. You are sharing the burden of what it is to follow you. What, what, a, what a miracle that we bring you our yes and you help us in the following. So I want to ask on behalf of this body of believers this morning, that you show us clearly what you are asking of us in this season ahead in order that we can bring a confident, yes, Lord, we're going to follow you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching 